After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College Baseball Podcast, along with Jim Shonen and Mike Lanana. I'm John Manuel. Brought to you by Louisville Slugger, as we are every week here with our college coverage in the podcast. Visit them on Twitter at Slugger Nation and make sure you're hitting them up on Instagram at Slugger Nation on Instagram. I've got them as one of my favorites on my Instagram follows and lots of good college baseball pictures from around the country. And we had baseball writers around the country this weekend for college baseball. Josh Norris is on a plane and we don't usually have him on college podcasts anyway, but he was out in Oregon. Uh, he'll be reporting from Oregon uh, th- later this week for us. Uh, Mike Lanana was down in uh, up in Ohio at this weekend's biggest, most anticipated series of the week. Who knew that it was going to be Illinois, Ohio State? You would not have circled that at the beginning of the year. And you wouldn't have circled Auburn, South Carolina as a big one either, Jim. No, but it was a, not not for you. Figured it might be big for one team, but not the uh, not the team we not the team it ended up being. Not 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 the way not the droid that we were looking for um, uh, here on this May the fourth. So the the top twenty five rankings fairly static this week. A lot of chalk early. Some teams shuffled around. LSU remains number one. Uh, the Tigers again uh, a tight series with Mississippi State. We'll talk a lot of Southeastern Conference. Uh, in this podcast, why don't we actually go ahead and start off there, Jim, just with that Auburn, South Carolina, because that kind of fascinates me, guys, that the uh, the SEC, you know, I was watching some of the SEC network last night, and you're looking at their conference standings. They've got four teams with really ugly records, Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Alabama, at the bottom of that league fighting for the last two spots in the SEC tournament. And uh, that, that league has achieved some separation and we've got six teams ranked from the SEC most weeks. Now we're up to seven with Auburn in the rankings, Jim. Mm-hmm. And I guess the most impressive thing for us is that Auburn, in general, has lost of the teams above it. They're starting to beat a lot of the teams that are below them in the SEC. And this weekend they did it on the road without Keegan Thompson. What impressed you the most about about the Tigers uh, down in Columbia when you saw them? Yeah, just mainly the just the athleticism in that lineup. I mean, they're not a they're not a big home run hitting team, and they only have. I don't know, a dozen home runs or something like that on the whole season. But, yeah, they've got a lot of guys that can run. They can move the ball around. Anthony Greer is a really fun guy to watch. I'll have an item on him in uh, three strikes. And, yeah, they're just, they can defend. They can really pitch, even without Keegan Thompson. I mean, they, the game I was at, they got a great outing from uh, Rocky McCord, even though he wasn't necessarily at his best. He didn't really have his slider going. But he was still goes seven innings, pitches well against the Gamecocks, and uh, then they get – Kind of a combined effort yesterday with Dalton Rents uh, going like four innings, but um, and they've I say Cole Lipscomb kind of got had a tough time on Friday and they, the game they lost, but still they've been to do what they've done without Keegan Thompson is pretty impressive. Their their pitching depth is interesting, and they're just uh, you know we've talked about this a lot, guys, with the trading of the pitching coaches this year, but it really does seem like Tom Holiday has gotten a lot out of them. Seventh place team in the SEC in the standings right now, but 14th in the RPI. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you guys, uh, you know, Jimmy do our Field of 64 projections every week, and Mike, uh, you know, obviously weigh in on this, but, I mean, does Auburn have a resume that looks like a, a regional host team? They've got Alabama this weekend at home, obviously a rivalry series in Alabama, scrambling after getting swept by Arkansas. Then they're at Florida to end the regular season. Can we see five SEC hosts? That seems reasonable in most years. I don't know that Missouri has necessarily got a, reasonable, a regional host resume, is Auburn getting in this discussion now, Jim? For you, I think they are. I mean, you can't rule them out. I think they're uh, if they can sweep Alabama. I mean, they're twelve and twelve right now. So you probably need to get so you have to get at least sixteen wins. So you need to go at least four and two here. But if you can sweep Bama and then at least get a game in Gainesville, maybe two. If you go five and one, then, then you're right in the middle of that conversation. Uh, we'll see if obviously the fact that they're in I think well, they're in seventh place that is a problem. So they'd have to pass a team or two, but. Um, 
yeah, they're you would if, they're, if they keep this going, they, they would be right in the mix there. I like their team all right, and uh, yeah, that that was an important series on, on the road for them. You guys have both seen South Carolina this year. Uh, I've talked to scouts about them. Uh, you know, Mike, they're now twenty-seven and twenty-one, ten and fourteen in the league, seventy-eight RPI on WarrenNolan.com. That seems like that's a dead team walking right now. What if you had to pinpoint? And what you, the reason that you think South Carolina's had this disappointing of a season, what would you attribute it to if you had to pick a, a one or two points? Yeah, well, you know, the, the early on offensively, they had some struggles from some of their key guys, which I feel like put them in a little bit of a hole. Right. Obviously, Will Crow wasn't the same Will Crow, and now we know why. Right. Because he had Tommy John surgery. And they just they just kind of lack that it factor, you know. They maybe it's I don't know if it's toughness, I don't know if it's grit, I don't know what it is, but they just kind of you watch them and and you know, I was saying this earlier, they're just kind of a, a bland team. They're, they're lacking the talent, they're lacking the star power in that group, and you know it, it's it's strange to see in Columbia to see a team struggle as much as they have, but they just they don't look like a, a tournament team right now. The, the way they're losing. I think that's that's a fair assessment. They they just don't have that it factor. You know, outside of, it would really be amazing how their offense would look if they didn't have Kyle Martin. You know, Kyle yeah, Martin. Yeah, uh, he's, been just, he's been great. He's been their offense, and I, you know, I had a couple guys on Twitter ask me the other day about him, and from a draft standpoint, I talked to a couple area scouts in the Carolinas about him, and there's some bad mojo out there. After I guess he changed his mind late last year. I think it was the Angels who drafted him, mm-hmm. and you know, in this new system. Uh, when you change your mind, area scouts don't seem to take that very well. They never have, let's face it. Uh, area scouts don't like it. Uh, he's a senior, and he's got 11 home runs, and there's all kinds of, you know, thump there, and he's had a great year. I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens with him in the draft, but conversely, it does really make you wonder about what, how bad would it be in Columbia if they didn't have Kyle Martin by rights. They shouldn't have him. You know, they, he should have signed. So, it's a 250 team batting average without much yeah. power outside of him. And Jim, it just seems like I think Mike hit on it. There's not a it factor. There's not a guy there that that team has always had in the past who, yeah. a guy who was a star and who, uh, last year we talked ad nauseum about kind of waiting for Pancake or English or Griner, one of those guys to really step forward. And Griner did the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year they don't have anyone close to that outside of Martin. Yeah, they really don't. And. So the injuries have been a big part of it, and the fact they've been really—they kind of been carried by Martin's been the biggest guy. And they really—they're all—they're really their whole offense is like just three guys with him and uh, Schrock and Elliot Caldwell. But yeah, I mean the pitching situation is pretty desperate. I mean they—you know—they started uh, their closer um, Tyler Widener, Taylor Widener Taylor, yeah, on, yeah it, on uh, Saturday the game I was at, and he you know, he goes five innings, he's really good, but then you get into a, you're in a two-two game late, and they have no one they can really. They rolled through uh, six pitchers for five relievers in the last three innings of that game. It's just, that's kind of the way. And one of the things that you know, Coach Galloway from Auburn talked about it after that game. He was, you know, in their dugout, they were saying like, was like, look, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like, look, they started their closer. He's not going to go nine innings. Let's get him, you know, grind out some at bats, get him out of the game, and then, you know, who knows what they're going to do at the end? You know, who knows what they'll have? So, it's just their their. Pitching has been. They did get a big outing from Jack Winecoop on Friday. He's kind of. He's been a little up and down, but we've seen him kind of get it going on the. Uh, you know these last few weeks here, but it's just the rest of that the rest of that pitching situation outside of with losing Crow and you know Taylor Widener can only do so much. So right. It's, kinda, it's been pretty. Uh, pretty bleak. I'm just. I'm looking at the stats here, and you, and you see Kyle Martin, Elliot Caldwell, and Max Schrock, and the numbers are, are are nice for them. But then you look at the the next few guys after that and it just falls off of a cliff it does you know it's it's you know you can't with just three guys it's, it's tough to, to score consistently and win consistently we noted it early mike when uh alex destino got the good start in non-conference but when he started struggling in the league as a freshman yeah. uh they really haven't fa- filled that void um because yeah, he was used for them in the early going I and mean, he won some games for them with, he did with, with the runs he was driving in especially because max schrock was struggling early in the year too absolutely um, no, that's that's been an issue for this team, and the, you just talked to the, some of the scouts. Just the talent levels down in Columbia this year, and um, Chad Holbrook, the head coach there, that's what he was known for, uh, both at South Carolina and previously at North Carolina, was his ability to recruit and find talent. Sometimes when you go to that head coaching spot and you aren't that guy out on the road all the time, um, 
you know, makes it difficult because you're not that guy out there making all those talent evaluation calls. You can't do it as the head coach. You're not the recruiting coordinator. But uh, it sounds like, just again, the scouts I've talked to, that's the biggest issue really for uh, South Carolina. It's just it's it's plain and simple. It's talent. And I'm not sure if that's a good the answer that uh, Gamecocks fans want to hear. Um, the other team that, in that league, like Auburn, that's been making this move and we've talked about in the last few weeks is Arkansas, guys. I wanted to talk a little, about, a little bit about the Razorbacks because I guess what really sticks out is not just that they've won four straight league series, I guess five straight actually, going back to Auburn. Uh, well, now I'm going back at six straight. So since they lost at home to LSU, they started off the year at Vanderbilt uh, and uh, at home against LSU, lost those two series. They've won six straight series in the league, which is very difficult to do because, as we've talked about, they've played these uh, HBCUs, non-conference, some of their non-conference schedules not that strong. Their RPI is only 37. It's not going to get a lot better with Tennessee and Georgia as their last two SEC series, but they should get, you know, they should have a they have a chance to have a pretty gaudy league record, guys. I mean, they have a chance to go 20-10 and 10 in the league. I'm not saying they're going to sweep Tennessee and Georgia, but it's not out of the okay. realm of possibility. They could. Okay. They could. Those are sweepable teams for Arkansas. Uh, I, count, call me crazy, but with their ballpark, the, the fans they bring in, even with a 37 RPI, if they go 19 and 11 or 20 and 10 in the SEC, they're going to host a regional, guys. And that's a dangerous team if they host a regional. It feels like uh, the only guy's got more home runs in the league than uh, Ben Attendi in league play is Kyle Martin. This is a pretty. And now with uh, McKinney throwing a shutout this weekend, guys. It, Feels like their pitching staff started to round into form. Yeah, it really has. I mean, getting the earning from McKinney was huge on the you know, the second game there, and just to go on the road and you know sweep it. You know, Alabama obviously has been struggling, but still sweeping conference series on the road is you know always an impressive statement. And like I said, I mean, they've they've just been so hot lately. And, you know, with Ben and Tendi, and if it's, you know, they could they could I mean maybe they could be that team that hosts like as a two seed if. You know, Santa Barbara ends up as a one or something like that. So I mean, they, right. they definitely would be in the mix if they can, if they, especially if they can stay ahead of, you know, they're ahead of Auburn, two games ahead of Auburn right now. If they can finish, you know, probably not going to pass, um, you know, Florida or any. Well, they may they go. I mean, Florida still has to play Vandy, so it's possible they could pass Florida. They're only game right. back, so if they can finish fourth. I mean, that would definitely get them in that right in that conversation. I tell you, he's fun to watch for those guys. But so, well, Ben Intendi's fun to watch. I mean, 15 home runs, 20 steals. You don't see power speed numbers like that in college baseball very often. There's only been one 30-30 season. That was J.D. Drew back in the nuclear bats era in 1997. So we're not, I, he's not going to go 30-30. But if he got to 20 home runs with that guy, I, I don't remember a, that balanced a power speed year in this, uh, you know, in the, the BB core era, guys. I don't know how many stolen bases uh, Chris Bryant had that year. I don't remember it being double digits for the year he hit 30 home runs, but that's a very unique season. That's an SEC Player of the Year caliber season, and he really does stick out for them uh, in terms of the uh, in terms of the, the power and the speed for that team. But uh, the, the rest of that club has kind of come around. They've got some veteran guys like Joe Serrano was on that team as a freshman. Uh, their 2012 team, I guess it was, that went to Omaha. Mm, uh, he yeah. was a freshman on that team. Tyler Spoons had a nice year for them offensively. But it feels like this is a, a good team, maybe not a great team. Uh, Jim, I guess in your research, has a 37 RPI team been a one seed, or is their RPI really a lot lower uh, than the average uh, host? Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty low. I think we've seen the committee will give a break if a team like wins its regular season title. They'll cut you some slack on the RPI, but I mean, if we're talking about them finishing fourth or fifth, that would be it would be a stretch for a team with an RPI that low to, uh, to get a host. You had them in your last field going to Missouri State for a regional. Missouri State is the one seed. Arkansas is the two. Radford. That would be a packed RPI um, regional. And then Southeast Missouri as the uh, automatic qualifier as a four. That would be interesting. Um, I would hate to see Arkansas as my two seed. That's all I could say. Um, and they've talked about on SEC Network all year this year about uh, Dave Van Horn wanted to do everything they could do to host. They haven't hosted in three, four years uh, down in Fayetteville. It feels like to me, RP, even with the RPI there, if they wind up with 19 or 20 league wins, I think it's going to be that hard to be keep hard them to out. Turn them down. It yeah. really would be. In that league, I think it's going to be very hard to turn them down. Anything else from the SEC that stood out to you guys this weekend? I mean, uh, 
Vanderbilt has the best record in the league in league play, which is just kind of yeah, that's kind of jump out. At you. It snuck right. up on me. It snuck up on me, and, and, and I guess A and M sweeping Tennessee, I guess shouldn't be a surprise. But to yeah. go on the road and sweep, uh, they pull back into a tie uh, with LSU uh, in the top of the West, uh, Mike. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think one thing that jumped out to me was the Missouri scoring eighteen runs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> against Ole Miss. Um, I mean, that they're a team that's kind of struggled the last couple of weeks, you know, got swept at Vandy. So it was good for them to, to explode there. And Ole Miss is, is no slouch. I mean, they're, the, the record doesn't scream at you, but they've beaten some quality teams this year. So I, I think that was, that was good for them. You know, they're, they're a team that's kind of dropping down a little bit in our rankings, but, yep. you know, it, it was crucial for them to win that series, I think. I thought so, Jim. Uh, that, 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 the rest of the SEC that sticks out to me is just uh, Ole Miss. You know, you, Mike mentioned it, and you tweeted about it. They're 25-24 and 24 overall now. Mm-hmm. So the RPI is robust. They've got a, yeah, no worries there, but it's they've got, got to finish over 500. They've got to finish over 500. They've got seven games left. You know, they're probably going to make the SEC tournament. I guess they're pretty much going to make the SEC tournament. So yeah. that might be the... Deciding factor, because they've got Mississippi State at home, and obviously a huge series just with the rivalry, the implications there. They pounded Mississippi State uh, last week in the midweek game. Uh, we'll see if Mississippi State breaks out the profane Stark Vegas uh, shirts that they had that they were uh, showcasing last week. But uh, they've still got Texas A&M at home. A&M's lost seven games all freaking year. I mean, how, how likely do you think it is that Ole Miss gets in? I mean, it feels like it's a 50-50 shot at best. For Ole Miss to be an at-large team, yeah, I mean, I think as long as they do finish over five hundred, they'll be fine because the RPI is in the top forty. They've got a you know a marquee series win against Florida, so they've done they've done that part of it, and they're you know they're eight and nine against the top fifty here, so they're good I enough. Think you think? Yeah, they'll they're okay on on those aspects of it, but I mean, so they've so they're twenty five and twenty four. If they can sweep Mississippi State, which you know, it's a rivalry series, so you don't really expect that to happen. But if they can, you get a midweek game with Arkansas State. So if you win, if you go four and zero here, that gets you uh, five games over five hundred. So then you've got a little bit of a cushion for that A and M series. That feels um, like they need to take care of business. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Because um, yeah, if you go three and one, and then you're so there's four games over five hundred, or no, three games over five hundred. They need to. They need to win. Then, I think they need to sweep Mississippi State, like yeah. you said. Those first four games, just so they don't go into Texas A&M, as that's a must, a series you have to win to get into regionals. Because yeah. they're just, uh, it's too close for my comfort. Uh, I'm not an Ole Miss fan uh, or an Ole Miss hater. I like I've said before. I really, my respect for Coach Bianco really grew last year with just the adjustments they've made as a program. They schedule tougher. They they're very good at recruiting. I, I like what they do as a program better than I did even five, six years ago. Um, I like to see a coaching staff adjust like that. But they're, I mean, they're – because, obviously, your problem is when you get to the SEC tournament, right? you're going to lose – unless you win the whole thing, you're going to lose a game or two. I mean, if you lose it, you have to play in game. Right. And then if you get, get past that, you're guaranteed to lose twice. That's unless right. You, unless you win it all. So you've got to – you've got to have a little cushion going into Hoover. I think a 5-2 and two record down the stretch here is pretty much a must mm-hmm. for me to just if, – if I wanted to feel good about it. But uh, we, we do have some separation at the top of that league. We have some separation at the top of the Pac-12, guys. I thought I'd uh, shift gears of the Pac-12 because there were some obvious interesting series there. I mean, UCLA still the top. They were out of conference this weekend against uh, – Gonzaga, tough series. Zags, yeah. They did get a scare from the from the Zags and uh, ended up winning with a t- walk off on uh, Sunday with Tyler Moore with a walk off. But the rest of that league, I guess the the series that jumps out was that we had Arizona State in the top ten. Still do have the Sun Devils in the top ten, but they lose a series on the road at Cal. And it really does seem like the simple uh, way to put it. And we've our much awaited Cal at Campbell series that we've all talked about all year. Okay, that, that's one we've, we've had circled on the calendar. <laughs> Bears, Camels. That's like a great Josh Norris rivalry series there with the Bears against uh, their mortal enemy, the, cam- the Camel. Are there even any Bears in Arabia? I don't believe so. Where there are Camels, I don't believe there are Bears. I'm not sure Bears can survive in a desert climate. I don't know of any desert Bears. And the Jungle Bears, Forest Bears, they're Desert Bears. So this is going to be an odd mix. The Animal Kingdom frowns on the Bears versus Camels. We smile upon it. I'm so. trying. I'm trying to envision a matchup, a real life matchup between a camel and a bear. And it's, 
This, it's hard not to laugh at it. It is. It is hard not to laugh at it. Um, but Cal, I guess the short version for Cal is Dalton Jeffries he- healthy, Cal good. Oh, good. They're good again. Yes. Dal- Dalton Jeffries not healthy, Cal not so good. Yeah. Third place in the SEC in the uh, Pac-12 guys, and I mean, really, just I, Chris Pollard and Duke just have to be kicking themselves. They go on the road to beat Cal to open the year, and um, this would have been the year for Duke. That's, that would have been a, that would have been a great non-conference series to have on your. A box to check. Uh, Jim, it feels like Cal's in your field of 64. They were in last week. It feels like this pretty much just clinches the deal. Yeah, it really does. I mean, they were, I mean, their RPI was down in like the 60s for a while, so they were really uh, on thin ice. But, you know, I kind of kept them in there just because of the talent, because of, you know, when they got Jeffries back, you thought they could, you know, get get back into shape. And they, that's, I mean, that's pretty much what's, what's happened. I mean, Jeffries has come back. He really lost his start uh, this past week. He still pitched well. And then, um, you know, they were able to come back, win a couple of games on the strength of their offense with guys, you know, and they didn't even have, uh, you know, that Saturday game, Urseg and, and Chris Paul didn't even do that much. The other Chris Paul made a, a big shot for the Yes, you stole, Clippers, you stole yeah, my joke. Yeah, I, I couldn't <laughs> go over the good I tried, I wanted to tweet about it when, I was, when that happened. I'm like, ah, the moment, the moment was passed. But, uh, <laughs> um, I'll just say this. I don't know what happened to this Chris Paul Saturday. That Chris Paul was not fouled by Tim Duncan. That was an outrageous foul call. Deke egregious. On, deke on deep crime there. I was very upset about that foul call because I was definitely pro Spurs in that series. I'm still hot about it now. That I think about it. I can't believe that they gave this is, Tim Duncan. This is a little side. Tim Duncan's an all-time. You make an all-time NBA team. You put him at the four, and no, and you can win that argument. He could be the all-time best power forward in the history of the league, and he doesn't get the respect of a call there. Are you kidding me? I just can't get over that. That just blew my mind. Blew my mind. That'd be like Alex Bregman not getting a call right now in the SEC. Come on. Close call goes to Bregman. I think Lucas Urseg has earned some of those calls in the Pac-12. I don't know about this Chris Paul, but I thought that was a joke. All right, I'm sorry. I had to I had to vent there. I've been waiting for that one all weekend. How does Tim Duncan not get that call? I, 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 I'm a disbeliever. Guys, it does seem like Cal, though. I guess the other part of this, we could focus a little bit on Jeffries, but I guess what I'm looking forward to seeing really this weekend, Mike, is just how for real they're – offenses because it feels like from afar I, I haven't even seen them on the Pac-12 network I've not seen them I've talked to scouts about them this year but they seem like they're pretty for real offensively they have 38 home runs this year yeah they were they actually remind me the way their lineup is constructed a little bit of UCLA hmm. in that the top half of it is is pretty fairly stacked you have Aaron Knapp there and Chris Paul's having a great year he has eight home runs Lucas Urseg with nine and then you have Brett Cumberland the catcher's having a great year as, as well and you know they make up your first four, and that's a tough first four to get through. Um, so I think I think they do have balance in that lineup, and uh, I'm interested to see how how they hit against the Camels. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, and I think I think the rotation too. I mean, they did miss Dalton Jeffries, but they had Jeff Bain step in, and he did really well in that Friday role for them. And a, another freshman, Matt Ladrash, I think. Yeah, it? yeah, I think it's Ladrick actually. Ladrick, but... yeah, he he pitched very well for them as well. And Mason's you know, just been so steady, big 6'7", right. kind of sinker baller. Still hasn't uh, given up a home run uh, this season. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's just a strike-throwing kind of guy. Yeah. I always wonder in these kind of series if a team like Cal, like do you give one of those younger guys a rest or a little bit of a break to get them ready for the rest of the conference uh, finish and the way that schedule? You know, it seems like a lot of times you, you will see some teams give a younger guy – a break in the schedule when you're out of conference. And Jim, I mean, Campbell's, I guess that's not a RPI killer for Cal, but they do have, they have USC and Oregon State left. That Oregon State series seems like that's going to be like the winner of that series should finish uh, third or fourth in the league. The loser probably finishes fifth. And you're probably talking about a two seed versus a three seed. Now there's a huge difference there, but that might be the difference between staying on the West Coast, maybe like going to, to Santa Barbara versus or Arizona, you know, I guess you can't go to Arizona State, versus being shipped way far east. I mean, that, that seems like that's the only real difference between a two and a three seed, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that is kind of the problem for the uh, for these kind of second-tier Pac-12 teams. There's no, uh, there's going to be no Big West or West Coast Conference team hosting this year. So, I mean, point. You know, we'll see what happens with Santa Barbara, I should say. But uh, other than that, I mean, other than them, possibly, it's if you don't get there, you're going to get shipped out somewhere to Texas or Oklahoma, you know, one of the ten, no, not Texas itself, one of the Oklahoma schools, or right, you know, one SEC school or wherever. So maybe DBU or maybe, maybe DBU a Valley or, school. Yeah, or um, 
or Illinois, maybe. So, but <laughs> that's um, right. you know, we'll, we'll get to the, the Illinois, but the Illinois. But uh, yeah, I mean, so that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if Cal can, certainly they, 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 the the chances there for them to finish in second, or I mean, they could finish in second place. I mean, they're obviously it's a tough schedule, like we're saying, but I mean, they're, they're a half they're game back. Half behind the Sun Devils, and I mean, they do have the tiebreaker. Not that that really matters since it's a, a difference in games played, but still, I mean. It's, it's there for them to finish in the top two, which would really uh, hurt Arizona State's uh, hosting chances because they're a little shaky in the RPI. But, uh, I, they are, I think it comes down to this weekend for Arizona yeah. State. I mean, it's not all this one series, but Arizona State's at home against UCLA this mm-hmm. weekend. UCLA's, what, number two in the RPI, four so, in the yeah. RPI. So, it's um, surprising Arizona State's RPI isn't better. I mean, they played... Everybody. Those, yeah, they, those <laughs> two, they play Oklahoma State and TCU to start the season. It feels like they've played... Good teams every every weekend, but maybe one. I mean, they had I think they had one Tennessee Tech, Tennessee, and they had I think they played a tournament early in the year where they had Purdue and somebody else in there that wasn't Cal State but, Bakersfield. Yeah. So that's real. That's really seemed like that's about it. Yeah, but, but uh, I feel like two weekends should kill you like it has. But and it, but it is what it is. They're twenty eight on Warren Nolan, so they might. I mean, if they get swept by UCLA, then they're in jeopardy as far as hosting goes. I mean, that would. They need to at least win one game, maybe win the series. I, th- I think winning the series. Well, you have the UCLA this weekend, and then they finish with USC, mm-hmm. right? That's right. So yeah, so feels got like two they, chances. You probably need to go three and three. I'm about to say, so it feels like four and two to yeah. me with an RPI that low. Four and two probably needs to be in their mix to be uh, a regional yeah. host, and uh, they've drawn well at Phoenix Muni this mm-hmm. year, so that I'm shouldn't sure be they, an impediment. I'm sure the committee would love to give them a host with the facility and. Just the fact that they're a big brand, they haven't hosted in a few years, but I mean, it's they're they need to finish strong here. They're uh, they're kind of halfway there, um, but I hope they aren't living on a prayer when it comes to the rest of their season. They're regional hosts. I don't know why. There's nothing shot. to do with John Bon Jovi. That was the heart. John. <laughs> and you're, and you're to blame. I am. I am to blame, Mike. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my pun game up, but uh, that's what I could come up with. I can't match Iwini, uh yeah. because there's. It sounds bad to say, but I mean, when you have 21 W's in a row in your Twitter handle, not well, they changed it. They had to change it. They, well, they ran out of space. I kept waiting for that to happen. So now it's now they're they're using the Roman numerals instead. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so, you know, I don't blame them, and I'm kind of glad that they did it because all the W's in my Twitter feed was just. It's getting a little ridiculous. That's it. Hashtag Illini, hashtag XXI. They've turned themselves into a Super Bowl. Just as the Super Bowl was switching away from Roman numerals next year. I'm getting rid of the, re- of the Roman numerals next year. I wasn't sure if you guys were aware of that. I, I wasn't. I don't like it, John. That's all I have as an, from an NFL fan standpoint. But uh, <laughs> let's talk Big Ten. We've talked a lot of Big yeah. Ten this year on the podcast. Deservedly so. Um, and, guys, this league just keeps on tightening up after Illinois. But Illinois... About as big. I mean, if only their name were Illinois State, they'd have a hashtag statement for this weekend. Yeah, I think we're still allowed to use that without the hashtag. I think we could say they made some Illinois. They did. I they they turned it up and brought the Illinois this weekend um, in public enemy terms. So forty and six is that their record? Is it thirty nine and six? Thirty nine and six for this team. Um, Mike, what was the biggest thing that impressed you about Illinois? It seems like from afar, following your Twitter, that the thing was. A, their confidence level is pretty high. B, yeah. it's deservedly so when you pitch as well as they pitch. Yeah. And C, their lineup has some depth. Maybe there's not a star you peg this to, but offensively it seemed like if one guy didn't pick it up, somebody else did. Yeah, you know, it's you, you go into it looking for the pitching. And, you know, that's pretty much what we talk about when we talk about Illinois. We talk about Duchesne. We talk about Tyler J. We talk about those guys. But, you know, I'm not sure we've given the offense enough credit because it is a balanced lineup. It is a lineup that can a lot of different guys can beat you. You know, you look at David Carey, and he was batting seventh in that lineup, and he has 11 home runs now leading the team, and he homered a home He hit seven home. hole? Wow. So it's, you know, it, it's a deep lineup, and the, the thing that jumped out to me is that on both Saturday and Sunday, Ohio State took early leads. They both they struck first both days. And on Saturday, Ohio State fought back and took the lead once Illinois took the lead. And both games, obviously, Illinois came out on top. They were able to fight back. They didn't seem flustered by it at all. It seems like a team that expects to win. 
and they have that swagger about them and they have that confidence about them and, and talking to guys that really just it's a, it's a team that have having a lot of fun a lot of smiles you know hmm. t- talking to players are just smiling the whole time and it's obviously when you win 21 games in a row yeah. you have a lot of, you have a, a big reason to be happy but it's you know the the lineup is you know, it's like I said, it's it, from top to bottom. It's it's tough at bats, good at bats. A, a team that can that can beat you in that way. But really, I mean, it is the pitching that has carried them this far. I mean, when you just look at Kevin Deshane's numbers, you look at Tyler Jay's numbers, they're ridiculous. Both ERA is below one. They're sick. They're, they're sick numbers they're in the sick. in the league. Those two guys have combined to go up seven runs yeah. in the league. Desha- I mean, Deshane gave up one run. Uh, on Friday night, that's and right. went up. That's amazing. So he and he was he was great. He was working quickly. I mean, six of the eight innings he threw, he faced the minimum. And the the one run he gave up was it was a fluky kind of run. And it was back to back blue pits, and one of them rolled rolled around a little bit, and you know allowed the run to score. It really should right. have been been a hit anyway. So he was great. He's working quickly. He's pounding the zone. I tweeted it. It kind of reminded me of a, a Mark Burley kind of outing. You know, hmm. being able to, to mix speeds and, and and to pound the zone and to work quickly. He's working yeah. that kind of pace. And he didn't doesn't have to pitch with premium velocity. It sounds like right. he throws harder than current day Burley. But yeah, there wasn't yes. really like a. But it doesn't sound like with. Yeah, I talked to a scout just uh, Thursday about Duchesne and the Illinois team. Yeah. It doesn't sound like there's really a plus pitch for Duchesne, but that the the command at the college level is plus. Yeah, yeah, no, the command is definitely there. And he could go to both sides of the play that he pitched that way Friday night as well. He, yeah, he did. He did. He was able to get the ball where he wanted it. He topped out at 91 for me, which is a little more zip than yeah. maybe I thought. And, uh, the, you know, the changeup looked good. Um, he got a lot of awkward swings on the changeup. And then the, the thing about him is he has a deep arsenal. You know, he throws right. the fastball, he has a slider. It's a true four-pitch yeah. look, it sounds like. five pitches, he, he has a slider and then a kind of a shorter cutter. And hmm. he flipped in a few curveballs as well, as well, just a, through four or five. That I thought looked like a good pitch. He got some swings and misses on it from lefties. The other thing that stands out to me about Illinois, just again talking to this scout Thursday and looking at their roster, just the amount of red shirts and the, how old this team is. This right. is an old team. Drayson yeah. um, Johnson on Saturdays, red shirt, uh, red shirt senior. Yeah. Reed Roper, kind of a stalwart in their lineup, is a redshirt senior. Kravitz is a senior. Yeah. Fletcher's a senior. Uh, Carrion's a senior. I guess I'm just wondering, like, did that show through? Like, is there are they physical because of that uh, veteranness? And then I guess what do you th- what you think of their Saturday and Sunday starters? Because it seems like that's the other question people have about them is how legit Johnson and, and Kravitz are. Yeah. Uh, well, well, speaking of, of seniors, I mean, first of all, I was talking to David Kirian after the game Sunday and just asking him what it would mean for this team to, to go far and to go deep into it. And he just had a big smile on his face and he was like, I'm getting goosebumps. You saying that right now. Like that gee smile right there. Yeah, He's got a very that's... confident smile yeah. in his mugshot on their website. Yeah. No. So he, uh, so there, th- this veteran team is obviously enjoying this run that they're having and, you know, years of hard work finally paying off for them, so to speak. But those those other two starters, Grayson Johnson, to me, looks like a righty Duchesne. Okay. It's a similar kind of a similar kind of windup, really almost exactly the same, but from the right side, he works quickly, quick pace. Uh, he, he wasn't great on, on Saturday. Uh, Ohio State hit him around a little bit. Um, but I, I think he's serviceable. I think he's a, a quality senior right-hander right. in, a, in a college rotation. Kravitz wasn't great for me from what I saw on Sunday. He has a herky-jerky windup, okay. um, so he creates some deception in that way. But Rob Mc, McDonald came in, and he's been he started some midweek games for them. Right. He was great in relief, so they have another option there to turn to if, if Kravitz at some point you know, falls off there. I mean, the numbers have been good for him, but... You know, Ohio State, he, he gave up, I think it was four hits in the first two, or six hits in the first two innings. I mean, Ohio State was hitting him around. But again, I mean, so. if they have uh, issues, the fact that you have a guy like, like McDonald, who's a left-handed, yeah. fifth-year senior, yeah. kind of in reserve, I mean, again, that's that's what sticks out to me about that, that team is... There's a lot of depth. A lot of depth and probably not a lot of panic. They've yeah. got righties, they've got lefties, and then they have this X factor. I mean, right. Jim I mean, Mike's got to see him this weekend... I'm wondering, like, I, I tweeted it the other day, and I, I was uh, admonishing myself privately for, uh, didn't, I didn't admonish myself on Twitter, that would be gauche, but uh, I admonished myself for hedging my bets and saying, uh, well, he might be the best closer in the country, but who's the best closer in the country for you? Is it Tyler J? Uh, is it somebody else? Is it someone like, is it Riley Farrell? Uh, you know, if you had to pick a guy, 
with you're in Omaha, screaming fans, 25,000 people are there, and you need those last, let's say, five outs, not just three outs, and it's a one-run game, who are you going to? David Berg, I'll say. Nice. That's a nice yeah. pull. Mm-hmm. And I will allow it, counselor. Turner, but, uh, <laughs> right. I worked uh, out fine for David Berg yeah, there. Yeah, no problem for him. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Berg. I'll go with the guy that's, you know, closed it, closed it down for a national title team and is setting all these records out there. I mean, Jay is – and, you know, you tweeted about this, that, you know, kind of showing that they could extend Jay as well. I mean, obviously, they've done that over the course of the year. He's got 49 innings, but – He's made, like, a four-inning outing yeah, earlier I mean, this year. Doing that, yeah, that's, that's really impressive, though. So, I mean, it's – he would, him and Farrell, I mean, those guys are not uh, bad options. Yeah, he started earlier in the year. I wrote about him the first weekend of the season where he started a game yeah. um, and then came back the next day and pitched one more inning, like uh, yeah. uh, nine days, uh, nine, nine pitches. Now, he's not like, you know, you're just looking at the, the stats line. Eddie Mule of George Washington leads the country through games of April 30th, anyway. He led the country with 15 saves. Um, this hasn't been updated, but like Adam Witt, low slot joker at Nevada, they've won a lot of games. Adam Witt's been really good. Tyler Peitzmeyer, I love that name, real gutty Peitzmeyer. pitcher at uh, for Cal State. Fullerton's had a nice year. We've seen Spores, Jesse Stallings. I think to me, like from a pro standpoint, Ryan Burr, Riley Farrell, Tyler Jay are probably those top three pro guys that we've written about from a draft standpoint. But now, now that you've seen. Um, Jay in person. Yeah, I've seen. And what Jay, was your take on him? I've seen Jay. I've seen Farrell, and I've seen Berg. You've seen those three guys. I, I've seen Ryan Burr. Ryan yeah. Burr throws hard. It's a little. He's always a little uh, high wire act. Yeah, yeah. The command. I've I've seen. I haven't seen him live, but I've seen him on TV, and that's you've seen you know, films. Sitting, sitting, sitting on the edge of my seat. You know, kind of performance every time for him. But if you had to pick one, would, would Tyler Jay has to be in that conversation, though, doesn't he? Yeah, I think in terms of just sheer stuff. Obviously, the numbers this year, too, I'd, I'd go with Jay and just having seen him. Uh, you know, he didn't have the strikeout stuff. Ohio State was swinging pretty early in the count, probably right. trying to avoid yeah. uh, getting struck out. So, he, you know, it was pretty – they made quick outs, so I wasn't able to get a, a ton of video on him, a, a ton of whiffs on Vine. But uh, I did get that one uh, nasty slider that he threw. But Thanks a lot, Buckeyes. Yeah, no, he was – I mean, he was touching 96, um, you know, sitting comfortably in the mid-90s and – the sliders is a nasty pitch for him, and, and just like it seems like everybody else on that staff is just he works quickly, gets the ball, throws the ball, and I mean he has two other pitches. He he could he could make it as a starter if a team, depending on what a team needs, right? If, if they need a starter, they could they could try. And he has extended work this year. He pitched six it, innings and threw ninety nine pitches at Penn relief. State. Yeah, yeah. So and he he threw two and two thirds. Um, the, the, this weekend and, and looked fine to me. I mean, the, he threw a couple of curveballs and they just kind of spun up there. They right. weren't really doing a lot. I don't know. He, he didn't really have a great feel for it. He didn't throw a change and he hasn't doesn't really have a need for it right. out of the pen uh, to throw that change up. But the fastball slider combination is is money. It, it looks it looks very good. And he's out of all the closers I've seen this year, he's been the most explosive. And the the, the, the thing that really stood out to me is in Saturday's game. It really felt like it could be either team's game. It felt right. like Ohio State could. Honestly, the momentum was kind of on Ohio State's side. I felt like in the end they were going to come back and win, and then you bring in Tyler J, and it, it's over. Well, he was a separating factor for sure. He was, he was the factor there that, that ended it. And Ohio State now, their RPI drops to 19. So Iowa wins a series. Uh, I forget who Iowa played. Jimmer, help me out here. Who, who was they it this weekend? Beat, oh, they were out of conference. Beat Sacramento State. Okay. That, uh, oh, no, that I was the wrong day. Michigan. Maybe Michigan this that's weekend. That's right. I was looking at the yeah. weekend. So that's a tough one for Michigan because they kind of could have used yeah, those wins. Michigan building a little momentum, but now they're kind of... So now Indiana, there. you tweeted about Indiana building some momentum. They beat your uh, your Terrapins yeah, this did. weekend. Stuck into the turf pretty bad. You have Michigan State. Slowly gaining acceptance, you know, mm-hmm. thousand points of light. That's a, that's a, that's a, that was the the George Bush, George W. Herbert Walker Bush making the same joke on Saturday Night Live for four years about Dan Quayle. Slowly gaining acceptance. Yeah. Um, that's how I feel about Michigan State. They they don't do anything flashy. Would have certainly been better for them to have swept Purdue than to have uh, won two out of three. But it feels like Michigan State still in the mix for Nat Large. Feels mm-hmm. like Indiana is still in the mix for Nat Large. Is Nebraska still in the mix for Nat Large guys? A 27 RPI, but they're the 8th place team. Yeah, as loaded as the Big Ten is this year, and we love this league. We've talked about it all year. 
But could Michigan really be an at-large RPI or not, Jim? I, I, Nebraska. Nebraska. I mean, I, yeah. I don't feel like they can, and they still got to go to Illinois. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, they're what we say they're they're eight and ten now. I mean, they yeah, they're eight, I mean, they needed to sweep Northwestern. That's the series you got to sweep. Now, I mean, now they get Purdue at home this weekend. That's going to hurt their RPI. But so you got to sweep that series. I mean, if they can do that, I'll get them to eleven and ten. If you can get. If you can finish at 500, they at least have a chance. So they can win one. If they can stop the the winning streak there, of Illinois, if they're at 25 or whatever it would be. But um, it's a juggernaut, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, Nebraska. I mean, they're they're in trouble. Illinois got Illinois got Rutgers this weekend. I mean, how crazy would it be if, if Rutgers was the team that, that ended their win streak? You never know. But I think they're gonna. And it's baseball, so you do never know. Um, but I'll be shocked if Nebraska gets an at large. Yeah, even as even as. Improved as the Big Ten is, you're still a losing record in the conference, and is not going to get you in no matter what your RPI is. So they've got a. I think it's hard to, to win both these series. I think it's hard to argue for them. Yeah. I really do. I think it's hard to make the case that Nebraska should be in because yeah, some of their you know the good wins they had don't look as good anymore. I mean, that sweeping Texas was good at the time, but now it's not so much. Um, they lose the series to Ohio State. They got swept by Maryland. Got swept by the Hawkeyes. I mean, it's when you, you know, kind of when you look back at it now, the resume is actually kind of thin. I mean, they you know they won a series at Loyola Marymount early in the season, which thought would be good at the time. It didn't turn out to be so. So I mean, it's there's not a lot to uh, other than the RPI is the only, really the only thing they have going for them. What's Indiana's case, Jim? Because it seems like Indiana has been somewhat erratic this year. I, I think to be expected. But pretty loud statement this weekend to go on the road and sweep Maryland. Is Maryland in trouble? Of not just, I mean, they're out of the hosting conversation altogether. Yeah, but sir. 49 RPI, it feels like Maryland's in trouble of making regionals. Not to mention, uh, I, I mean, they, they, they've, they've got two road series left. Uh, you know, one at Ohio State, which is obviously licking its wounds, and, and one at Northwestern. I don't know, guys, what do you guys think of Maryland? Is Maryland a regional team? I know, you know to me, they're a three-seated best right now, Jim. Yeah, certainly. Kings. Getting swept at home, that's... That's, that's never that advisable. Not, not a, uh, that was a very unexpected setback there. I mean, you could see them... I mean, losing that series would be, you know, one thing, but to get swept is a, is a pretty big setback. So, I mean, yeah, I don't... I mean, they're still 49 in the RPI, so if they can if they can get it together, I think they'll be okay if they can sweep... Um, it was, it was, they're playing for Northwestern this weekend. So. I believe it's Northwestern, yeah. Yeah, so now they get Northwestern. I mean, that's... It's still the highest state. Yeah, exactly. So they're on the road. If they can... You know, sweep a road series at Northwestern, that would get them uh, some breathing room, I think. Even though Northwestern is not great in the RPI, winning on the road helps you. And they did just, so, but Northwestern just, you know, uh, yeah, beat so you Nebraska. Can't, can't take it for granted there. But, um, yeah, if they, I mean, if they, if they were to lose that series, then they'd be in real trouble. I think they're, they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble. And, uh, you know, I don't. Uh, it seems like losing Friday with Schwarin on the mound kind of, threw them for a loop. Yeah, I think you it know. Did. And we, we talk about uh, those Friday starters setting a tone. Uh, that was not the tone they were looking for, for sure. Um, other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, and we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast here, was uh, Big 12 and Missouri Valley conferences, like in America's heartland. Um, the Big 12 is a two-bid league. You wrote it this yeah. week, Jim. Nothing this weekend changed that for sure. Is the Missouri Valley going to get more teams in regionals than the Big 12? It feels like... They deserve got more teams. That's true. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, the Big Twelve, it's it's ugly. I mean, if, I think if, if we were working blue, I'd say it's a blank show. But we're not. But that's the, that league is brutal. Yeah, was, I saw uh, Brett Anderson tweeted last night uh, the uh, uh, the big league pitcher that uh, you know he's like I was I'm baffled at how bad the Big Twelve is at baseball. Which I, <laughs> I wanted to retweet. I was like oh, I don't want to be seen as. Um, Endorsing it and trashing the Big Twelve, but uh, they have one I mean, team was... with above five hundred record against top one hundred teams this year. One, oh. and top fifty, I should say. Yeah. One. That's TCU at seven yeah. and five. Every other team in the league is below five hundred against uh, RPI top fifty teams, with records such as Baylor at one and thirteen, or Texas at two and eleven. I mean, I watched Texas this weekend a little bit on the Longhorn Network. Pretty lifeless. Uh, it just. Uh, it was an uninspiring look for a team that scored five runs all weekend. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech, I guess, Jim, I thought that was the other team. Preseason, we liked Texas Tech and Texas both. 
Texas Tech at 12-9 and in the league. Their RPI is starting to creep up there at 69 on WarrenDolan.com. I don't know if you guys feel like they, you know, just winning a series at West Virginia <laughs> position them if they have a decent run. It feels like they have a chance to be a three seed. Yeah, I mean, they've got a better chance than Oklahoma does now. Oklahoma needed to win that uh, the, the Bedlam series there. I think that pretty much losing that one pretty well does them, and even though they're uh, ahead of Texas Tech in the standings. But, yeah, I mean, Texas Tech, they just don't have – they're just not that much quality to their resume. They're, they're, they're really you know, like saying they're 3-10 and 10 against the top 50. They don't really have a – they had – you know, they had these two chances. They had – TCU and Oklahoma State both had to come to Lubbock, and both those series came down to rubber games, and they couldn't win either of them. Those were their two chances, and then also they got swept at Fullerton, which you know was not that's not a good look. So I mean, there's just not a lot of meat to their resume, despite their pretty decent standing in the in the conference. And it's I mean, yeah, if, they, if they were to like go and sweep West Virginia, so you finish uh, fifteen and nine, or I guess they have two series left. But, uh, no, I think one more. Okay, I, I yes, could be wrong. Have, yes, I guess they played one uh, extra one. But um, anyway, so yeah, I don't. That's I mean, West Virginia is at one hundred two, so that's I mean, it would help you a little bit just winning on the road, but it's not gonna yeah not gonna get you high enough. And then and in the conference tournament, unless you can, unless you like beat TCU and Oklahoma State a couple times in the uh, in the tournament, you're not gonna help yourself much there either. Well, the, the the Missouri Valley part of that question, Mike, is is the real issue to me. Is we've got Missouri State and Dallas Baptist running up there. Jim saw Dallas Baptist this weekend. You can talk a little bit about that. But DBU and, and Missouri State both top ten RPI teams. Yeah. Then you have Bradley, kind of still inexplicably there at seventeen. Yeah. Uh, I definitely can't explicate that. Um, I wonder if the rest of the league being so poor in the RPI, including Southern Illinois, all the way down at two forty six. If that drags them down, but um, I think you kind of have to consider Bradley on its own merits. Yeah, and they're solidly third place in the league, and they keep grinding out series wins. They won a series at Indiana State this weekend. You know, their series loss uh, in the league was at Dallas Baptist, which is, is certainly acceptable. Right, they've beaten um, Iowa twice. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. They've got Illinois State with uh, one of the nation's leading hitters in Paul DeJong, uh, you know, coming up this weekend, and then they've got Missouri State on the road. Yeah, uh, I don't know. To me, that looks like a regional resume. I, I don't know how you feel about it. I, I think so. I, I think I don't think the, the the I mean I don't I don't know how it's going to end up, but I don't think the bottom of, of that conference should impact them. Um, I mean, I, obviously, Dallas Baptist and Missouri State, I, I think, are, are both regional teams. And, and, you know, I think Bradley, I mean, you look at the resume, and if they can, I think if they can avoid getting swept at Missouri State, if they could at least win one of those games, right. getting swept would probably be a bad look there, even though Missouri State is obviously very tough. You know, those leagues RPIs uh, on Warren Nolan are right next to each other. Big 12, 538.9, 537.5. For uh, the Missouri Valley gym, it just, I don't know if you think the bottom of the does the bottom of the conference being really bad keep uh, hurt bubble teams like Bradley. It doesn't feel like a 17 RPI should be a bubble team, but I think they are. Yeah, I mean they're just so it, like you said, it's all it's so it's tough to explain how they're well. I mean, explain because they're they've been good on the road. That's why I mean they're 13 right. and eight on the road, eight and four on uh, or six and one rather in neutral site games. So it's. You know, nineteen and nine away from their home parks. So that's that's why they're so high. But I mean, it's it's just tough because there's so few quality wins. I mean, those two Iowa wins are really the best thing they've done. I mean, they lost to Dallas Baptist was the best series they've played, and they lost that series. And you know, look at what else they've done. I mean, they you know Mercer's decent, but I mean, there's nothing loud not on that resume. Yeah, there's nothing loud. It's just I mean, they've been consistent. That's kind of their selling point, and they've been good on the road. And they've I mean, they probably are the third best team in that conference. I mean, it's not. A complete fraud, you know, where, where, not a complete barrage, like where they are in the standings. But yeah. I mean, the RPI is just, I mean, yeah, at number seventeen RPI. I mean, that it's perplexing. It's, I mean, that would probably get them. I mean, probably, I mean, at this point, I've kind of been, I've been wrestling with what to do with them on these these fields at sixty four. But I mean, they just keep it up. So I'll probably have to. I mean, I expect I'll put them in this week. I mean, they just they don't they don't. They never trip up, and they're an older team that knows how to. It's not going to be phased by any of these. It's not been phased by any of these pressure games, and you know, so they'll probably be in there. I mean, 
and it's kind of getting to where I, it would make my life a lot easier if they just win the Missouri Valley tournament. So. <laughs> yeah. But uh, well, I definitely like uh, if you but, want uh, more, if you want more on Bradley, uh, definitely had uh, a good midweek uh, kind of bubble watch uh, from Vince Lara. Was that this week or last week? Uh, that was did Bradley couple, two three weeks ago. But yeah, Spencer Gah, great name, one of the better names in college baseball. Uh, sounds like he's a real prospect. You know, this is from a talent standpoint. Spencer Gah is their best player, the sophomore. He's had this hamstring issue, kind of bothered him earlier in the year. Otherwise, it seems like it's more of a veteran, quote-unquote, good college team. But again, just the scout I was talking to in Illinois the other day uh, said that he definitely thought Spencer Gah was a, a prospect for next year and that they're going to have to really evaluate him hard next year. So again, the, the Valley's got talent. Um, so I d- would not, I don't think it would strike me as wrong if the Valley got three teams and the Big 12 got two. One last team, uh, league, I meant to ask you guys about, and we'll, we'll end the podcast here, I promise. Uh, the AAC, the subject of much uh, discussion in the office, um, but the American Athletic just just won't sort itself out. Yeah. Finally started to a little bit this weekend. At least there's not a four-way tie for first place. But, Jimmer, eventually Houston wound up getting toward the top of this league, and we do have the Cougars uh, tied with East Carolina both of you guys, you saw Houston, Jim, I know. I know you've seen East Carolina, Mike, you, and uh, UCF. I feel bad for UCF because, I mean, this team just has not pitched to the level that it needed to. But this league's got seven teams in the top 60 in RPI. This is a really good baseball league. Yeah. Is there a great team in this league, Mike, in your mind? Or is, there, is there an Omaha team here? Or do you feel like this is a league of five or six number two seed kind of league? That kind of, is it, I think it's... Know, I think, like that. Yeah. I think it's the latter. Yeah, I think it's the latter. That I, you know, because <clears throat> I've, like you said, I mean, I've seen UCF. I mean, I thought UCF early on could have been that team, possibly, but we've seen yeah. the the decline that they've been on, and you know, and when they do get pitching, they don't hit. So it's, you know, Zach Rogers has thrown a, a few great outings for them, and and you know, was not a lot of help. Yeah, not a lot of help for him. So. I don't know. I mean, I know we we did really like Houston in the preseason, so I think out of that group, Houston would have the best chance of advancing far in the tournament. Yeah, especially, I mean, I, you know, if they could get healthy, that would help them. That's I know health has been an issue for them, right? Especially in that rotation. I do like ECU. For, I, I liked what I saw uh, out of, out of them. They played a nice competitive series against UCF, and they had a, a good week against NC State and Duke and. They've they've beaten UConn, which is also a very good team, twice. They've won two series against them. So, you know, I think ECU is a team that should get a serious look. But I think it's more just a a league of above average teams, but not necessarily a great team. I, that, that's how I lean. You know, yeah. Jim. I don't know. If, I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the year, if you would have said. Hey, Andrew Garza is going to stink as a senior. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. No offense to the kid, but he's just had a terrible senior season. Jake Lemoyne's going to be on the shelf with a shoulder impingement. That's pretty much, uh, you know, what is that? Five starts all year. Yeah, he's- um, so if we if we said that was going to be the case, and then all the injuries they've had throughout their lineup, just no one's really been full. Uh, you know, so many of their players have not been at full strength pretty much all year. We wouldn't have had them preseason. You know, single digit pick in the preseason. Yeah. Like Texas Tech, that was just a case of they just weren't as good as we thought they were. Houston, I don't think we really ever know how good this team could have been. Mm-hmm. But I do like the stick to this team has shown. I, I saw a little bit of them against UC, uh, USF this weekend. And obviously, uh, it was, took a little while for me to get past South Florida's uniforms. It's a little garish, a little bit on the garish side. But uh, this feels like it's a, a still a dangerous team, I guess is what I'm saying, with, with Houston. I guess the one thing that's really gone according to plan is Chris Eriard has been every bit the middle of the lineup force that we thought he could be transferring in. Exactly, yeah. He's been the one, like I said, he's kind of been the one thing that's kind of been what we thought would be about that team. I mean, I'll give him, I'll give that, that coaching staff a lot of credit. I mean, they've really had to hold it together. I mean, with all these injuries, guys underperforming, and they get off to a slow start. They go and, you know, they did not look good when I saw them in the uh, Minute Maid tournament, and then they. You know, they lose a series with UCF, but they haven't. I don't think they've lost a series since then. They've been, Hashtag unimpressive yeah, for them early. But uh, I mean, yeah. So I give them a lot of credit for sticking to it and not panicking and finding some answers and guys. You know, Kyle Dowdy, the uh, you know junior college transfer, has been through a shutout against Tulane this weekend. Uh, you know, Andrew Landrup has really emerged over the course of the year. He's kind of been the one steady guy in that rotation. Uh, they've found you know this freshman lefty Seth Romero has given a lot of valuable innings both 
early in the bullpen, now in the rotation. He won the uh, the Sunday game. So, I mean, obviously the Cougars are not – they have not been, you know, what we thought they would be going into right. the year just as a product of the all the problem, all the injuries and whatnot they've had going on. But, I mean, they, I mean they're probably not – it wouldn't make them a favorite to win a regional. But, I mean, they're – they're, they're getting to a point where you wouldn't want to face them enough. So they've found some confidence when they win in all these series against good, you know, the other good teams in the American. They go and win a series at Tulane this weekend. Tulane had been playing pretty well, so there are a lot of good teams in that league. I don't know. If there's a great team, but there are a lot of good teams in that league. And we have Memphis and Tulane finishing the series, the season at, uh, against each other. That could be with a regional berth on the on the line. Central Florida kind of has its last stand this weekend. Mm-hmm. You've got Memphis this weekend. You know, South Florida's on the bubble. Yeah, they, no, feels like. they were hot. Now they've kind of backslid. And they've got to go to Tulane. They still have US, uh, UCF, which they just lost the series to. That's kind of, like I noted this week in previous. Those yeah. They've played each other twice in the last three weeks. That's going to be that's pretty, uh, gonna be pretty intense. In it's, it's odd. Houston, I guess the other thing that you like for Houston is they've just won these two series back-to-back on the road to get back into uh, tie for first place. They're home the last two weekends with East Carolina and uh, UConn, so I presume once again there'll be a, a an American flavor to weekend preview when you have Houston uh, playing host to ECU, the two first place teams going head to head. But East Carolina's other team, that guys, you know, they, they just they're the most consistent team now in that league. They had to play UConn twice, one of them being like uh, in April going to UConn, but I guess the uh, the weather didn't affect it didn't too have to much. Go to Northboro. Actually got to play in the stores. That's right. Um, but they started off the year so unevenly and, frankly, not well. Mm-hmm. East Carolina's won, like, four series in a row. I mean, Mike, when you saw them, like, I will say the thing that I like about East Carolina is they have some power with Lowry. Yeah. They've got a legit Friday guy in Reed Love. Mm-hmm. They have this X Factor, this kid from my hometown, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Ingram. Is that his name? Ingle. thank you. Joe Ingle, right? That was hard. I mean, I've had an area guy around here telling me he had him up to 96. Yeah. I don't know if at 160 pounds he's going to maintain that all year. Yeah. But when you saw him against UCF, he pitched all three games. So Yeah, he, he was a little a tick lower than that. For right. Probably, More like low 90s, right? Yeah. He's yeah. probably just worn the hell out. So yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. probably part of it. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... They know, seem like a legit team. I, I do. Reed Love was great. When I saw him, he's a you know a great pitchability lefty kind of guy. And uh, Evan Krasinski is very similar to him as well. He's been starting Fridays because Reed Love started the year injured. Right, hand injury, and Krasinski is the same kind of guy, and he he dominated UCF, uh, which is a lefty heavy lineup. But and they lose David Lucroy, Jonathan's younger brother. He was a big time recruit for them. I know he's more of a sinker baller guy. Is he starting weekends or is he more of the bullpen? He's kind of like in a flex role, really, isn't he? Yeah, I, I like I like their pitching depth. It feels like they have. I mean, they have pieces. Yeah, and I mean, offensively, too. You know, Reed Love has been great. Offensively, he's been great both ways for them. And Lowry does have legit power. I mean, he puts on a show in batting practice and nine home runs this year, I I believe. Uh, I don't have the stats in front of me. Yeah, nine home runs. You know, he's pitched around a lot in the league. Um, He seems like he's been fairly neutralized in league play. But he's a big physical presence in the middle of that lineup. Right. uh, You know, their shortstop, Hunter Allen, has been great for them and batting leadoff for them as well. I love love the conference stats with these teams. When you get the conference stats and you see (laughs) a few things stand out with these guys. First, Engel hasn't given up a run in in league play or an earned run, I should say, in league play. So he's just been a weapon out of their bullpen. Yeah. Number two, I love that East Carolina is 8 for 23 stealing bases (laughs) in conference play. Put up the stop sign, Coach. Come on, Coach Godwin. I, I, I appreciate the aggressiveness. Yeah. Um, but getting caught on nearly two-thirds of your stolen base attempts, probably not the best way to go about things. They are an aggressive offense. They do swing early in the count. They don't strike out a ton. Right. They, they, that, that, and that seems to be what has uh, served them well, is that aggressiveness, that mindset that might be the trade-off for getting caught stealing that often. This, right. this is a team that it feels like it's a program that – was pretty good. I mean, when you're identifying Mike, Mike Trout being signed there and Jeff Hoffman from upstate New York, and you're it seems like Billy Godwin was evaluating the talent well. Maybe that's why the Yankees hired him as an area scout. Yeah. Um, but he was evaluating very well. They had some pieces. Just that they always had. They were one piece away the last few years. I like the toughness they've shown. I, I'm impressed with them, and we've talked about this league all year, guys. It feels like this is. Oh, three bids, Jim? Three to five bid yeah, league. One of the most variable, right? Yeah, I've had as many as five. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely a 
really all seven of these eight teams are still have a path to regionals. I mean, that's it. Even down to UCF. UCF. I mean, they're up to 52 in the RPI now after um, beating a USF this weekend. So, I mean, they're still in the mix. Memphis is still in the mix, even though they lost this weekend to uh, losing to Cincinnati is not. Uh, Memphis was your Huckleberry. Yeah, they were. I, I to wear that one. Maybe yeah, the not. Bearcats are going on a bit of a run here. They. they you can have to get some walk-off home runs. They're, they're six and twelve right now in conference, but just don't five count games, them out. Five games out yeah. first. Don't count anybody in the American out. Is I guess yeah. what we're saying. Um, uh, it's it's fun. This is a fun league to follow. It is. It's like the anti Big Twelve. It is. It's, it's the anti Big Twelve. It has depth. It has some sleepers. Like UConn's kind of the sleeper team. Yeah. What's the sophomore's name? He starts on Fridays. Okay. Yeah. Carson Cross on the Friday. Carson Cross. He's the senior, but then yeah. Anthony K is the Saturday guy. Yeah. yeah and, he's really good. I think we're going to see Anthony K this summer with the college national team. Um, hashtag sources. Um, I think we're going to see him this summer. Um, but Jim, it just it seems like we'll wrap with this. You're going to have a drastically different field of 64 this week because some of these. There, there were some bubble teams that uh, yeah. went the wrong way this week. Yeah, definitely Nebraska. They're going to be out. Because uh, your last four in last week were ECU, Irvine, Nebraska, Virginia. Now, Virginia didn't play. Yeah, they didn't play, so they'll probably just hold them. But, but Nebraska so. went the wrong they're, way. Now, Irvine did sweep a series, right, this weekend? Yeah, they did. So, they're, yeah, they're part of that three-way tie in the Big West with uh, Fullerton and the, and the Gauchos. So, probably, but, the, I mean, the Big West could. I mean, Fullerton's, they've kind of been coming on, so that could still end up being a three-bid league in the, uh, the Big West. So, yeah, I'll probably hold on those teams. But, yeah, I mean, the Pirates probably move up, or at least, I don't know if I'll make them a two yet, but they're at least kind of moving off the bubble. Right. But um, now They're not going to make yeah. regionals, but just speaking of the Big West, just talking to a couple of coaches out there and some scouts, I'll tell you the team that's coming on is, is Polly, And they're going to have a chance to play spoiler. They've got Mark Mathias back. They've been serviceable. They're the best offensive team in that league. It's what they were coming into the year. We, uh, you know, their pitching has just been okay, but they've got Irvine this weekend, and that's going to be fascinating. They have to, I mean, obviously, a big road trip at Cal Irvine, but uh, Cal Poly can hit, and uh, we'll see what they do against Irvine on the road. That's you know, Irvine always can pitch. Uh, you know, the the guys I've talked to out there say this is a hundred percent Gillespie. You know, no offense to the players or anything out there, out there but. It's a very young pitching staff, you know. I mean, a uh, coaching staff, I should say. It's it's all it's uh, uh, who was uh, Ben Orloff and and Daniel Babona are their assistant coaches. So the talent levels playing like what four years ago? Not even, so. yeah. So the talent levels a little bit down there, just because these guys are new. They know what Coach Gillespie wants to do, and they can teach it. But as far as recruiting, you know, there's a reason that some of these recruiting coordinators have been doing this for 15, 20 years. Have these very long tentacles of coaching contacts and travel ball contacts. So they can reach a little deeper and find some real, you know, deep finds recruiting-wise. When you just got a po- playing pro ball a year or two ago, like Babona and Orloff, it's not the same. Um, but Irvine, it's like they're they're they will skill it up with anybody. Um, so the fact that there's three now Big West teams in the top 40, I guess Long Beach you had as a bubble team, yeah, pretty disaster they're, they're weekend. Pretty before, done, yeah. yeah, they got what they get swept at Hawaii. Yeah, I think they got swept. So, yeah, they did get swept by Hawaii. That's you, not good. You got to give home by Hawaii even worse. You got to give Trap credit. Give uh, Coach Trapasso credit. Mm-hmm. I thought Hawaii had kind of could have packed it in to go on the road and sweep. Uh, they're now 500 in the league. This is one of the reasons why I like uh, Coach Trapasso. His teams compete uh, even when they're uh, you know the RPI says they're they're worthless. They did not take it that way. I mean, the, the RPI of 190, but they're fifth place in the league. So I, I'm with you, Jim. I think that league is trending toward three bids. And uh, I would like to see it. I hope that those teams can can do enough to earn those three bids. But just Irvine has to be wary. Yeah, Cal Poly is, the, is good. Kind of the shakiest of the, of the three, just given their given the RPI situation, and I think they still have to play uh, both Fullerton and the uh, and the Gauchos. So they kind of got the toughest road. That doesn't sound easy. Um, yeah, they do have to go to Santa Barbara, and they have uh, yeah, like I said, Cal Poly at home this weekend. They wrap up at Northridge. So oh, that's right. And there's big long road trips in the Big West. One of the things that's I love right, the most about the Big Boston, West. So yeah. Outside of outside of Hawaii, you really well. There's no bad road trip when you have to go to Hawaii, but outside of Hawaii, they're all pretty much car trips. So, um, and we'll see again uh, Santa Barbara, what they and uh, what they can do about hosting. And uh, they seem like they deserve to host a regional, but you don't have lights. That kind of puts yeah, a every game's called by darkness. Yeah, that puts a crimp. Puts a crimp in 2015. That's not good. It's not, guys. Uh, a lot of good college baseball talk today. Uh, get some rest. You're both on the road a lot. Uh, Mike, uh, that was a long, a long drive. Uh, better for the young guy to do that than for the old guy. But uh, I think I'm going to try to make that trip 
to Cincinnati for the Futures game, uh, an All-Star game. I think um, that looks drivable. It's drivable, isn't it, that's, to go to Ohio? That's that's what I did this this weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's it's drivable. It's, I mean, it took me about seven hours or so. It's uh, there's some beautiful countryside if if you're into that kind of thing. I am. You know, some mountains in, in West Virginia and some tolls too, which is fun. <laughs> and uh, Expense you know, those. a lot of farmland. You know, and unfortunately, at one point, my gas light went on when I was in the middle of, of cornfields. So finding a finding an actual gas station was a little difficult. Did you go out and make your own ethanol? Is that what I you had to do? It. I thought at, at, at one point, I thought that was my only option. So always good to end a podcast with an ethanol joke. Yeah, nothing, nothing goes over like ethanol humor. So it was a little corny. <laughs> Thank you very much. I was trying to get out gracefully, and I, I, I couldn't do it. Uh, great stuff, Mike. Uh, great stuff, Jim. And uh, I hope I provided something. Uh, we'll have more college baseball, of course, all week at BaseballAmerica.com. Follow these guys on Twitter, at MLanana, at Jim Schoner, BA. And I'm, I'm John Manuel, at John Manuel, BA. We'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks a lot, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.